Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Yeah. People say stuff like that. I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism. And I have a little pool here and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. Mm. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school. What's the word on the street? This is Wretched Radio. The word du jour. It's delicious. I think I'll have it is... Justice. It's all the rage these days. People demanding justice. And as a Christian, we, of course, are thrilled to pieces with the concept of justice. The question, of course, is what is it? Where does it come from? How do we determine what is just and right? As a matter of apologetics, of course, the unbeliever can't have justice because there are only preferences in the non-theistic world. There's merely opinions. You can't say that that is a crime if you do not have an objective standard of morality, which, by the way, is actually superior to even the Supreme Court. Where do rights come from? And the answer is, according to our Constitution and according to our Bible, they come from God. That is, by the way, during, during the transgender effort to try to become normalized sort of behavior, they're saying it's a right. It's a right to be a different gender. It's a right to do this to your body. Hold on. You're making an appeal to an authority. Where does that right come from? Or if you're a grammar Nazi, from where does that right come? And the answer is God. All right. So as long as you brought up the subject of rights and justice, what does God say about this subject? And I don't think, at least within the last decade, you're going to find any sort of religion that endorses the confusion of genders and the mutilating of bodies. But we digress. Justice, it must be defined and it must be understood, especially when you consider the Supreme Court rulings that we expect to trickle down any old minute, starting with student loan forgiveness. Question, is that just? Now, if the government actually owned the money, if the government somehow was productive in and of their own right, and they had the money and they chose to give that money to people for the sake of dismissing a debt, well, then they have every single right to do that. But when you take money from one party to distribute it to another party, that's not justice. That's actually called stealing. And it might feel fair. I don't know how somebody can justify that, but it might feel good to the recipients. Hey, I had student loan debt forgiveness. It isn't fair to those of us who have to pay a debt that we didn't incur. Furthermore, it is not just or fair or right to the people who didn't have their debts forgiven. How do we, how do you go back in time? How do you, are we going to have reparations for everybody who paid their student loan debt? Are we going to have reparations for everybody who just paid off their education as they went? 
how does this system of justice address everybody? And the answer is they can't. They don't. And the student loan debt forgiveness, whatever the Supreme Court does, I, I suspect. Jimmy, I'll tell you what, we'll do, we'll do this just because we don't have the rulings as we speak. I'm going to vote and you're going to vote. Student loan forgiveness. Do you think the Supreme Court is going to say, yes, President Biden has the right to just dismiss hundreds of millions of dollars of debt? Uh, I'm going to say that they are going to say, no, he does not. Yeah, have I, right. I, I think so, too. I, I think that's going to be a no. All right. We'll see. We'll keep track. And then we'll see how we did as judicial pontificators. There's another issue of justice that's going to be decided by the Supreme Court. And that is the issue of something called affirmative action. We're waiting for that. This has to do with universities, what students they consider and what students they accept. Is it just to say we are going to give preferential treatment to somebody based on their skin color? It seems to me the contradiction is pretty obvious that if you show favor to somebody for their skin color, you're discriminating against somebody because of their skin color. And so it is not just at all. Now, I understand how somebody would say, but historically, for instance, the University of North Carolina, I believe Harvard, they wouldn't allow certain people with certain skin color. Are we practicing justice by now discriminating against people who weren't involved in the discrimination of decades ago? And I think the answer is obvious. No, it's just not just. Jimmy, what's your vote? Are they going to thumbs up or thumbs down for the universities to be able to, well, discriminate? Yeah, I'm going to say they're going to thumbs up it. You think so? I don't know. I, I'm I, going with thumbs down. Are you? Yeah. yeah. But hey, Jimmy, every man has the right to be wrong. Now that's true. And you're exercising that right. You are you are so fit when it comes to exercising that right. I don't know that anybody is in better shape than you are. <laughs> well, that's 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 debatable. I'm a give you know, sometimes people don't realize what a Barnabas I am. Yes, you are. But wow, can I encourage. Here's another court ruling that we are waiting on. And that is the postal worker who said, I don't want to work on Sunday because I go to church on Sunday. This one is a little bit tricky because you're dealing with somebody's exercise of freedom of religion. Does he have the right to say, I don't want to work? Well, as a Christian, if his conscience is informing him I can't work on Sunday because he believes that that would be a sin to do so, well, then he can't. But that isn't what's before the Supreme Court. They're deciding, can the employer not provide an accommodation for the employee based on religious practices? Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb on this one, Jimmy. Okay. I, the The issue... Whenever it comes to legal issues, believe me, the devils are in the details. This has to do with the burden that it puts on the other employees. That's that's going to be the hinge. But, Jimmy, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they are going to provide a religious exemption for the fellow because I think the precedent being set that then anybody who other people who have a religious preference would have to be denied that, too. 
Yeah, that's so true. Muslims couldn't do their praying five times during the day. I don't see that being enforced, that they can't do that in the workplace. Do you? So, Jimmy, I'm going to say they're probably going to give the guy the, the victory and the Postal Service will be at fault. Yeah, I, I think I, that you're right. I'm not sure that I agree with that. Oh, but, you think that that he shouldn't get it? Well, it's not that I don't that I think he shouldn't get it, but it, there's also, like you said, there's layers to this. There is, and and one of which is he knew the requirement to work on Sundays when he applied for the job. That that was part fair of enough, you know. So if oh, well, that's fair fair enough. If you didn't want to work on Sundays, then you didn't have to take the job. Right. Well, that now see, but that's a contractual issue. Mm -hmm. If it was agreed upon up front that you will be required or you might even be required to work on Sunday, he should have known that. Now, if I were in his shoes now, this is easy for me to say in an air conditioned room (laughs) without being in the post post office, which, by the way, can can somebody explain to me that scent? that somehow gets put into the ventilation system at each post office that causes it to smell the way that it does. How do they do that? Doesn't matter where you go, what state, what post office. Hmm. It smells like the post office. (laughs) It's just stamps. It's just stamps. It's just just wet glue from people (laughs) licking it. And all of God's people said, ew. (laughs) If I were a Christian and my, my future employer said, hey, in the hand, even if it's print in the handbook, you might be asked to work on Sunday. I'd have to accept it. It's sort of like it's sort of like when you buy a property and they tell you, hey, it's possible that they might be putting a, another building there or they're going to put a road there and you buy it anyway. And then they build it. Well, that was the deal. You knew that it could have been coming. I would have to say if that were the case, Jimmy. Then the guy's a Christian would have to say, nope, that's fine. I get it. I'll just have to find another job because that was the deal. Right. We'll see on that one. And uh, finally, from Colorado, this is a big one, perhaps the biggest of all. And that is the wedding web designer who was, of course, asked to do a web design by a gay couple. She said, I can't. And, of course, they took her to court. If, if the Supreme Court rules that she has to, I fear that is going to open up a gate that will never be closed again because it will be businesses first. It will likely be Christian institutions, universities, parachurch ministries next, then the church. And if you think who personally dodged that bullet, it'll be home finally. That says that there can be no form of opinion that might cause somebody to feel harm from your beliefs. In other words, um, this is a big deal when this gets handed down. Something worth praying for even now. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, 
we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. As you may know, we're passionate about spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ around here. And we want to thank those of you who have partnered with us to make that possible. As a gospel partner, you're part of a community that is dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. And we're accountable to our partners, which is why we are proud to say that we are members in good standing with the ECFA. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And we believe around here that partnering with us is a way to be steadfast and immovable in the work of the Lord. So please, if you would, take a moment to consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. If you have questions, we certainly have answers, and you can find those at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. The Book of Psalms is a collection of divinely inspired songs of praise for every season in life. There are songs of lament, thanksgiving, praise, celebration, and remembrance of God's mighty deeds, all to help us find our soul's delight in God in all circumstances. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Wouldn't you love to hear your pastor talking about... You, this is Wretched Radio. Fess up. We all have a tendency to talk about our pastors, most likely right after church. We take out our scorecards and we give him a grade on the order of the service. How long was his prayer? I hope your church has a pastoral prayer. How he read? Did he stumble? And what was the sermon like? Too long, too short, too many points, not enough. He missed the real big deal. And I think he actually referred to C.S. Lewis. We have a tendency to talk about our pastors immediately after church. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, as long as we play by the rule book, which says 
We sure should put the best construction on everything regarding our pastor. We should speak about him, not even just to him, about him in a way that shows reverence and honor. He is God's appointed under shepherd for you. How you speak about that one who has been loaned the authority to make sure that you're spiritually safe. It ought to be done with a great deal of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But I'd like you to imagine for a moment you had a bug inside of your pastor's car. And now he's driving home with the missus. Hey, did you see Jimmy today? And he spends the next 15 minutes dissecting Jimmy. Did you see what Jimmy was wearing in church? I noticed that he wasn't paying attention. You know, I wonder if the guy really even cares. Do you think Jimmy's even saved? How would we like that? If the wouldn't that you'd go, hey, that's not fair, most likely. And that is why I think it's really wise of us to be super careful about how we go about the business of talking about our pastors. But would you like to know? What they've been thinking about you, according to the Christian Post, pastors identify eight idols that potentially influence you. Would you like to know what they are? Of course you would, because your pastor does care about you. And he's involved in conversations and he goes to people's homes and he hears what they're talking about. He hears the hallway conversations. If I could make a rule. This, this is a rule that I think that I would make. Every time we enter the church door, we should talk about nothing but Jesus, the Bible, salvation. Nothing. Nothing. I'm making it a rule if I could. No sports talk. No political chit-chat. No latest breaking news about the latest transgender zaniness. Nothing. I'll bet we'd struggle to do that. I'll bet we would. And I got to tell you, I think that's a great loss for us. I'm guilty too. It's a tremendous loss. When Acts 2, 42 and 43 discusses the things that nourish you, fellowship is one of them. Fellowship is not just two Christians getting together to talk about the game. Fellowship is talking about Jesus, what the Lord is doing in your life. I remember. Years ago, people used to use that phrase. You know, it's really a great question to ask another believer. How's the Lord working in your life? And I confess, I felt kind of like, really? For some reason, the Lord has changed my heart on that subject. That is a big deal. When you hear what is going on in, okay, 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 I'm going to give you one. This is going to encourage you. There is a family, the Zellner family. This delight, this, this, this is just amazing to me. It's a husband and wife and three delightful kids. They have been hearing about us talking about the Masters Academy International and our desire to get 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles to the Philippines. We're so close. Well, I discovered they didn't brag. They didn't it's, They didn't put this on Facebook. They quietly went about the business of doing this. And a buddy at TMAI told me about it. And I said, can I share that? And so they graciously 
and somewhat hesitantly <laughs> gave me permission to do so because they they didn't want to be bragging. They didn't want to be perceived as showing off and getting their rewards here rather than there. They committed to raising money to send 500 Bibles to the Philippines, 500 Bibles. And so the kids took odd jobs, garage sales, helped mom. She's a lawyer. So they did work for her. She paid them so that that money that they earned, these are kids we're talking about. They took that money. They set it aside to send 500 Bibles to the Philippines. If that doesn't feed you, I, 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 I don't know what will. You mean this, this little family quietly without telling anybody? They went about the business? of the kids, the kids, the kids worked so that they could send Bibles to the Philippines. Come on. This is the stuff that we need to be talking about. Do you know that that's 5% of our actual goal? 5% from this little family. And you would have never heard about it unless you maybe asked them, what's going on? What are you guys doing? What's the family been up to? Where are you at spiritually? Uh, have you been reading anything of interest that's really helped your walk? Questions like that that feed us. And if we neglect those conversations, it might be a reason so many people are starving. So well done, Zellner family. Thank you. The people in the Philippines, uh, you're just going to bless their socks off. And thank you for feeding us by letting me share that. Here are the eight idols that pastors are concerned are uh, maybe on your mantle. 32% of pastors said sex or romantic love. They don't define that in this Christian Post article, but I would have to believe it's a lack of either monogamy, faithfulness, or abstinence. I suspect porn is baked in to that 32% cake. 39% of pastors, uh-oh, said, we got an idol called political power. 39%. So let's just be generous and say it's a third of the congregation the pastor thinks is too engaged in politics. Here it, here it is again. We get to church. What do this is? I hear these things in the the hallway. Not everybody, but I'll walk by and it's like, yeah. And you, did you see Biden fall off the bike or whatever it is? Uh, okay. Apparently, they don't know that I was able to make a law that said no more political talk at church. Pastors do hear it also. And when pastors get together with people and they start talking about their favorite subject, which is politics, it's leading them to conclude it's an idol for 39%. Now, it's not just that they talk about it. This isn't 39% have an interest in politics. No, there's an idol of political power. Uh-oh. 46% of pastors identified the idol of social influence. I'm not sure this is just the younger demographic. I think it's all generations have been caught up in how many views, how many likes, how many thumbs up, how many comments do they get on the post? Probably of them and everything looks fantastic because they want to be seen as phenomenal. 46% of pastors say the idol of social influence exists in the hearts of believers. Whew. 49%? Success. 
the idol of success, getting stuff. 51% of pastors, this is fascinating to me, said approval, affirmation. And got to be careful with this one because it's not wrong to be affirmed by somebody. I, I think I think that that's a, a human inclination that doesn't have to be sinful. But these pastors are identifying and saying, well, it is. <laughs> it is sinful. The need to be affirmed. 55% of pastors said, you want money, lots and lots of money. 56% of pastors said, control or security. You know what that number should be? Zero. Do you know why? Because you are secure and you have no control. Zero. And you go, wait, wait, wait a second. That's why I want some control. No, you don't. You would, you would make a hash of it. I would make a total dog's breakfast out of reality. God is in control. God is the sovereign one. God is the protector. God is the defender. God is the controller. He is the orderer and he's good. And we don't have to worry about being in control. We just need to worry about being faithful. And this is, Jimmy, I'm so excited about this. 67% said people have the idol of Ray Comfort. That is absolutely, that's so good. That means people are interested in evangelism. Really? I don't know if it, wait a second, I'm so sorry. It, it's just comfort. It's just, just uh, plain old comfort and ease and relaxation and time off. Is this a scientific poll? No, it's not. What's the point of this? Well, perhaps it's good to be mindful that just as we watch our pastor, he's watching us. Hopefully both parties are doing it with a loving spirit, but maybe just maybe they're onto something and we should all identify our hearts to purge it of idols. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up, we head to Mariel, England, where an American street preacher found out that the folks in Canterbury aren't as welcoming as maybe he thought they would be. The preacher, who will remain anonymous, at least in this report, was detained for voicing his beliefs against same-sex relationships amidst an LGBT pride event. Naturally, it's caused quite a debate in England. Some argued that the detainment was a violation of preacher's free speech. Others thought it was a necessary measure for protection. The question is, whose protection were they actually referring to? Switching gears, we head back stateside to Indiana University, home of the infamous Kinsey Institute. Haven't heard of it? Well, it's the controversial sex research institute known for its dubious past and dubious work ethics. It's finally been defunded by the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development. Yeah, talk about a late wake-up call. And now, hold on to your seats. Well, actually, I'm probably not going to say hold on to your seats because this isn't going to surprise you as much as I originally thought it would surprise you. This is about par for the course. From the Biden administration, they've been generous with your checkbook. Well, their checkbook, which is connected to the account that you fund with your tax dollars. Reportedly, they've dropped around $50,000 to promote transgender ideology in India. That's right, your tax dollars hard at work funding transgender sensitivity training for Indian police officers. 
That's how I want my tax dollars working. How about you? And now, a tale from Michigan that takes the cake for aggressive activism. An abortionist was accused of running over a pro-life activist with his car. And I guess that's reasonable for some people. When your words fail, just find the accelerator pedal. It seems to be much more communicative. And a little bit on the brighter side, Uversion, the makers of the popular Bible app, have now made it possible to access the Bible completely offline. So whether you're at the bottom of the Grand Canyon or you're flying at 35,000 feet, you can now use the Bible app on your phone to read the Bible. And finally, to the Far East in China, where Christians are now required to apply online for a seat in a church service. It's like booking a ticket on an airline. I don't know. Critics see this policy as a broader crackdown on religious freedom in China, and that's exactly what it is, unfortunately. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. An apostle is a messenger sent from God. The apostles were granted power and authority to establish the New Testament church. There are no apostles living today, but just as the early church dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings, so we dedicate ourselves to their teachings, which have been recorded in the New Testament. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's walk a mile in your pastor's shoes, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. What might we learn if we spent a day walking a mile in our pastor's shoes? First lesson I would learn is his feet are much smaller than mine. Second lesson might be instead of being tempted to be in any way critical or to gossip about my pastor, I might instead consider praying for the preacher. Why? Does he experience things that, yes, the rest of us do experience? But I would suggest to you on a more consistent level, your pastor is emotionally challenged even more than the rest of us. Now, you can't say 100%, but I think in general that's true. Why? Because he's not just dealing with, hey, did we, did we, Jimmy, did we get that web page fixed so that we can launch that promotional thing that we're doing? Uh, That's the type of questions that we deal with. Your pastor? All right, I'm thinking about Jimmy. And wow, does he ever have a bunch of issues. And I'm so concerned about him. He's he's weighing heart issues. He's weighing eternal issues. And that can weigh on a fellow. And maybe, just maybe, if we understand what it is like to be a pastor... Perhaps we would be less inclined to potentially carp and instead desire to help. Dusted this off from the archives, kept this over the years because I think it's helpful. It's from Dan Phillips from teampyro.blogspot.com. The worst title ever written, but here it is nevertheless. 26 ways in which doing IT support is better than being a pastor. Jimmy, this will never get social media youtube clicks <laughs> this would have to be this would have to be 26 ways you can discover your pastor's a moron or something like that <laughs> that would that would get you some views maybe this will give us a little insight into our pastor comparing his profession to that of the IT professional everyone who asks you a question in IT 
really wants to hear the answer. <laughs> Everyone who asks for help in IT actually wants to be helped. That's not true with many people in a congregation. I wonder if you've ever done that. Hey, uh, Pastor, uh, what, what's your take on uh, what happened at the Southern Baptist Convention? And you really don't care to hear his answer because you've got your gun loaded and you're ready to fire and tell him exactly what you think about it. Or you ask for help, but you really don't want help. You maybe just want sympathy. And should he go about the business of offering correction? Uh-oh, that might not be received well, too. When you identify viruses, spyware, unwanted pop-ups, and crashes as bad, and target them for elimination, the folks receiving your IT help don't accuse you of being harsh and judgmental. Oofta. Never crossed my mind. I need IT help all the time. I mean, on the most rudimentary of levels. And when somebody, typically younger, tells me what to do, hey, little harsh, little judgmental. Really? I can do that? Thank you. Not so the pastor. You and your callers agree that computer bugs and problems are bad and should be done away with. Not so with people who come to a pastor or that the pastor approaches to say, you got to be done with that sin. Nobody who calls you in IT is actually in love with the computer problems <laughs> and the misbehaviors they're experiencing. But when a pastor deals with people and their sin issues, there's a likelihood they love them. And the pastor is treading on very thin ice. Everyone to whom you give sensible counsel will hear, heed, remember, and follow that counsel. They won't insist on feeling an inner peace before doing it. Why? Because they want it fixed. They want it better. Ouch. Many times, you know immediately when you've helped someone. You don't have to wait six months or years or decades to see whether the fix has taken or not. <sighs> we shouldn't ever expect to see any fruit from anything that we do. And we should find a great deal of comfort in knowing that God is a most excellent work accountant. He's keeping tabs and he is better than QuickBooks when it comes to works that are done for him. And they will be remembered for eternity. And it can be such mundane things. All right. Um, I don't think this is going to sound like I'm tooting my horn. I hope not, but, it, but then I'll lose my eternal reward for this frivolous little thing that I did. But it was, it, it's so fresh and it's so vivid for me. Yesterday, it's about 5.06, getting ready to leave because I had been here all day arriving at 2 p.m. And I'm getting ready to leave at 5.06 and there's a knock on the door. It's HVAC guys. They need to see something of the system in the lobby. And they said, do you have a ladder? Sure, let me check. I went walking down the hall and I thought, oh boy, uh, I really have got to get going here because it's the Mrs. Birthday and I don't want to be late for that. And now I'm mindful of that. But I also have to admit, it's like, uh, I was done for the day. I'm going home. And now I'm going to find a ladder to schlep it down the hall for the HVAC guys who should have brought their own. But I'm not bitter about that. And as I'm walking down the hall, I just thought, Lord, 
you know the schedule. I want to get this letter for you. This is this is done in service for you. Made it feel better, I have to confess. And that is how you and I can live our lives doing everything, recognizing it does have significance. It does. Schlepping the ladder down the hall, if done unto the Lord, the Lord remembers. Now, obviously, it's a puny thing. But really, when you think about it, we have a tendency to be dualistic in our thinking. Well, that, that, that's not ministry work. But it doesn't have to be ministry work. I did it for the Lord, and that makes it ministry work. If, if, if you, your job is to move ladders, do it for the Lord. He's remembering that. And he's keeping tabs. And you will hear, well done. And what you did unto him, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, Ecclesiastes 12, it will be remembered by the one who matters the most. Now, having said that, it's still good to tell people, hey, pastor, this is what your labors have meant to me. Pastor, this is what your labors have done for me. Pastors rarely get to hear that. When you discover a new, better, and more effective way to accomplish the goals you share with the folks you help in IT, they're happy, not angry, because it's different from the way we've always done it. (laughs) I have to admit, I've never seen that one, but I hear that can be pretty constant, especially from the older folks. Jimmy, I'm talking about the, you know the older folks. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got not my age. Oh I'm talking no, talking about the older folks here. Mm-hmm. That just ain't the way it's been done, son. Hmm. Well, okay. Um, maybe just it's not a big deal if the lines in the parking lot are yellow instead of white because we already bought the paint. With that, maybe no. It's not the way it's been done. The people you help in IT don't care how many committees your wife does or doesn't head up. <laughs> you're calling a pastor. You're calling the man, not the missus and not the kids. And yep, pastor's kids, they should be well-behaved, but they're kids and they're sinners too. And they're not always going to be angels and their kids are going to do the same naughty things that your kids do. So our expectation of our pastor is one thing. An expectation of his family is another. And you say, wait a second, It does. Titus does talk about well-behaved kids, believing children. Yes, it does. But that doesn't mean perfect. Doesn't mean they never do anything wrong or don't pay attention or don't know the answer to the question in youth group. We got to we got to remember that this is one I haven't seen either, but I've heard about a lot that the expectations on the pastor's wife are, I don't think, biblical. That she does, she, Jimmy, she didn't go to the ladies' luncheon. Yeah, I've lived it. She, do you know, she showed up. There were only seven minutes before the service started. Where was she? We need coffee. We need, (laughs) you've experienced it? Oh, yes. Yeah, and what do you say to people who do that? Uh, You know, as the pastor, you have to guard what you say. You have to, you know. You do. In fact, you have to go, you you have no idea how many times your pastor needs to bite his tongue. Mm-hmm. He has to. 
because whatever conversation he might be having with you or somebody else, he's thinking about 70 other people simultaneously. And if I say this, it could have that effect. And I know where they're at in their spiritual walk, and this is a more important issue. That's what's going on in your pastor's brain a lot. The people, finally, you help aren't judging you as inferior to a beloved support technician who died 10 or 100 years ago. Oh, you know, Will the old technician, he was way better. You wouldn't even think about saying that. Why? Because you wouldn't get your computer fixed. Maybe there's lessons to be learned from walking a mile in our pastor's shoes. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math, it's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100, maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Revelation How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? 
If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Don't judge me in there. I'm, I'm having issues in here, okay? I can see. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to, I think I need to tell a doc. Tell, uh, ah. Okay. Do you ever, okay. You, you, mm, if you're tall, I don't even know that you need to have high height in, in order to stand up. And it's like, whoa, head rush. Oh. I think taller people maybe get it more often. But I, this is the one that I get. And I'm sure if I Googled it, it means I have cancer. But it's like right now, as I speak, on my left ear, I'm echoing in my head. What is that? It's agitating. So don't judge me in here. I'm doing my best, okay? I'm not. What is that? And then so then if I like if I put my head down, I think the blood like flows to my brain. Maybe hey, maybe that explains the memory problems. I'm just not getting enough blood to my head. What do I have? What's would you Google that for me? Oh, this will yes. this will this will save me a call. When you when the when it's when huh. do you ever go to the dentist and they because you got an ache and they say, where does it hurt? And you go, well, it's kind of well, what kind of pain is it? It well, it's the well, you know, it's not stabbing. It's kind of sharp, but it's kind of achy. Oh, the, OK, so what do you call this? Have you ever had this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you want to pop your ears, but they don't pop until you bend over and you get blood in your head. So just Google that. Uh, OK. And tell me what kind of cancer I have. <laughs> tell me what sort of medication I can take and get 74 side effects from it. Survey says, according to... Nah, 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 nah. American Bible Society. Did I do that out loud? I'm just trying to get my ears to open up. Christians are happier, but not just any Christians. Scripturally engaged Christians, which of course makes sense, doesn't it? Happy is the man. Blessed is the man. Psalm 1, you follow the precepts of the Lord. You think about them. You're going to be happy. You're going to have shalom. You're going to be blessed. So I don't really need this survey to tell me how to be happy. I got the Bible, which has already prescribed the medication that I need to live a life that, yep, it experiences difficulties, but it isn't topsy-turvy. You can navigate through choppy waters better and actually do it with a Happy heart, happiness and life satisfaction, mental and physical health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, close societal relationships and financial and material stability all come from following the precepts of the Bible and being scripturally engaged. These principles, believe it or not, they work for pagans too. I'm not kidding because this is the way that God has baked the universal cake. Reality functions a certain way. It isn't just laws of nature. I call them metaphysical, spiritual laws. Do this, that basically happens. That's what the Proverbs say. If you want to live a life that is overall pretty good, not no promises of just nothing but favor and constant calm, no, but overall, things tend to go well. Just as an aside, I think I mentioned this the other day, and I don't think that I stress this as much as I would have liked to, but time restrictions in the Bill Gothard video that we just posted. Mormons liked Bill Gothard. 
And it makes perfect sense. Why? Well, Mormonism is legalism and Bill Gothard is legalism. So they didn't have any theology stumbles. They didn't go to Bill Gothard and hear, hey, wait a second. You mean we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. And it's imputed to us. And Jesus isn't a created being from the planet Kolob. What? Never heard anything that would cause them to be ruffled theologically. But it was music to their ears. Do, 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 do. Now here's the kicker. It actually worked to a degree for Mormons. It, it does. Why? Because there are spiritual metaphysical laws. If you basically do these things, it's going to turn out well. But for the Christian, we don't do these things just for smooth sailing. We do these things in response to what has been done for us. We don't follow precepts in order to get stuff. That's bonus. We are obedient to God's commands because... <laughs> He was perfectly obedient to the Father's commands, and he gives me all the credit for that. I want to strive to be pleasing to him. Bill Gother never taught that, and we need to be careful that we don't take the promises of the Bible and do them just so we can get. We always want to make sure that our motivation is, I'm giving because I've already been given. Jimmy, have you diagnosed my malady yet? I have. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to be bending over here. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. You have ear cancer. <laughs> Severe. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, though, uh, you likely have an earwax build up there, Todd. It is not. That's what Google says. I Then keep Googling <laughs> until you find the answer that I'm pleased with. Okay. That is not. I, no. First of all, I clean my ears every day. It's kind of a thing. Oh, oh, you know what we bought a couple of weeks ago? Frio, we couldn't possibly care less about you, your Q-tips, and your earwax. We bought the baby ones. All right, we, we're big into Q-tips. Seriously. And we bought the baby ones that has like a white... They, you can't even like do the outside. They, doo -doo, I can't get anything in there. It was a long couple of days until we could return them and get a, <laughs> the right kind and get in there and it might, clean it out. And I've been to the doctor. Might they be. don't look in my ear and go, dude, what are you going to do? Grow potatoes in there? <laughs> no, but that might be your problem. It is not. It's an occasional thing. It's like I sometimes, if I drink a big glass of water, it goes away. If I put my head down, it goes away. Earwax wouldn't do that. Now, if I laid on the side of my head no. on a heating pad, I could understand that. No, I'm saying putting the Q-tip all the way down your ear is probably an issue. You're not supposed to do that. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of the dentist. No, he was a he was a what is the name of a gu the gum doctor, the dentist. Uh, pa 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 pa. The uh, uh, pa, pa, uh, begins with a p. He was he was a a. Oh. A gum doctor. That's what he specialized in. And when I told him this, it was out at the, it was either at, wow, this is a while ago. It was either Shepherd's Conference or Strange Fire. And we were actually in the men's room and he told me what he did. And I went, oh, well, you'll be pleased to know I take care of my gums because I love to floss with Glide. Don't use Glide. What? Don't use Glide. It's, it could be, it can leave bacteria and, and you could get sick. And I said, don't, don't rob me of the joy of dental hygiene. And he <laughs> said, quote, I kid you not, it's echoing in my head to this day. Maybe because I have a waxy ear buildup, according to Jimmy, that's the reason it just bounces around in there. I'm deadly serious. Okay. I'm just, well, I'm okay. just the messenger. Okay. <laughs> well, bring better news. <laughs> I'm so good. Would you? <laughs> 
12, no, not 12, in 12 months, 27,000 people a month search online how to be happy. Now, this is what they've concluded. This is a woman who's from the UC Berkeley Greater Good Science Center. Wow, I guess you can create anything, can't you? She wrote a book, something, a course called Science of Happiness. Conclusion, the more people feel pro-social emotions, the happier they are. Defined as positive, helpful, and intended to promote social acceptance and friendship. Huh. Do you think there's any place that people could go to discover that? The local church. I read a statistic about the Mormons. They have about, it looked like it was about 20% more missionaries, young people, who want to go out into the fields. And the article dove into it a little bit. Uh, And we've got to remember Mormonism, one of the reasons that people do what they do in obedience is to try to earn their way to the celestial kingdom so that they can be with their families. So believe me, a lot of legalism can be motivating it, but I couldn't help but think that generation, they want something to do. They want something to sink their teeth into. The younger generation, Gen Zers, for all their uniqueness, they, they they are less interested in money and status and just doing stuff that's beneficial. Church, plug in the kids. Get them, get them doing stuff. And maybe more than just doing chores around the around the church building. Not saying that shouldn't be on the list, because that's that's body work. But what could they be doing? Could you challenge them? to maybe do something in the neighborhood, evangelistically, preferably. Give them something to do. They respond to it. And what better place than the church? The survey says, oh boy, another sign. Man, we've got everything for the world. We got it all for them. Oh, you want purpose? Come to Christ. You, You want community? Come to Christ. You want a cleansed conscience? Come to Christ. You want to have a sense of what's going on in the world so that you're not constantly freaking out? Come to Christ and don't take psychedelic mushrooms. Why? Because the young adults, they are increasing their consumption of mushrooms. Doubled their consumption of them and other hallucinogens in the past three years. This is 19 to 30-year-olds. From 2018 to 2021, 6.6% of kids are getting smashed on hallucinogenic drugs. They're hurting. Okay, they're sinning. Don't forget that, but they're hurting. We need to remember that. And by the way, if it's 6% across the board, now the statistic, the number might be lower in your youth group, but the reality is you probably do have kids that are struggling mightily in your youth group. Jimmy! Yes. Am I still uh, left in the dark and echoing inside of my head? Uh, Yeah, you're still suffering from ear cancer. (laughs) I knew it. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.